This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Now, I'm going to do something I've never done before in this program, or any other for that matter, rerun an introduction from a previous night. So last Monday, here's what I opened with. Uh, just let me say, I want to kick myself. I misplaced a letter from a listener in the States. Could be Iowa, but the name I'm pretty sure was Claire Schultz. In any case, the listener sent me some information about an old-time radio show called The Six Shooter. Said I should consider adding it to our affair that we provide here in the show. Well, I'm so glad that note was sent in because although the Six Shooter aired for only one season, it remains one of radio's best-remembered westerns due primarily to the likable nature of the main character, Britt Ponsett, and the considerable talents of James Stewart, the actor who portrayed the Texas Plainsman. I'm really excited to tell you I'll be airing those episodes starting this coming Friday. Well, here we are on the Friday. And I'm so happy to have the chance to have you listen to that recognizable drawl of Jimmy Stewart. Oh, so, uh, so thank you very much. So anyway, thank you, Claire, for prodding me to give this show a listen. James Stewart was quite possibly Hollywood's most versatile actor, assuming a major role practically in all genres of film, from mysteries, comedies, fantasies, courtroom dramas to westerns. And perhaps it's the low-key Aw, shucks, charm of the actor with the recognizable draw that attracted moviegoers to James Stewart and which made him a fitting choice to portray Britt Ponsett in The Six Shooter. Here's the episode simply entitled The Coward. James Stewart as The Six Shooter. The saddle is angular and long-legged. His skin is sun-dyed brown. The gun in his holster is gray steel and rainbow mother of pearl, its handle unmarked. People call them both the six-shooter. Coleman, America's leader in modern automatic home heating equipment and the national broadcasting company, present James Stewart as the six-shooter. A transcribed series of dramas based on the life of Britt Ponson, the Texas plainsman who wandered through the western territories, leaving behind a trail of still-remembered legends. Now, in just a moment, immediately following this important announcement, you will hear Act One of The Six Shooter. Last year, thousands of Americans who tried to get away with carelessness on the highways were killed or permanently injured in traffic accidents. And remember, accidents don't always happen to the other fellow. Unless you are meticulous in your observance of the rules of highway safety, 
you and your loved ones are vulnerable to the menace of traffic accidents. Every motorist should take an active role in supporting the safety movement in his or her community. Encourage driver training in your high schools. Teach your children the rules of safety on the highway. Remember, the life you save may be your own. Now, Act One of The Six Shooter, starring James Stewart. Grandstand seat, a rocking chair on the front porch of the Temple City Hotel. Not that there was much to watch. A couple of women looking at the bonnets in the windows of Bradley's Mercantile and some kids playing mummy pig over in the alley next to the bank. And the checker game in the shadow of a big elm across the street. But it was a couple of days before I was due to pick up some cattle in Atterbury for Mrs. Pritchard. And, well, Temple City seemed as good a place as any to stop over. I was considering taking a little nap when I saw Will. At least that's who I thought it was. He was, he was coming out of the general store carrying a box of groceries. I, I couldn't be sure, though, because just as he started to climb into a wagon, another man rode up alongside and shut off my view. Well, look who's in town. You doing the marketing, Will? Thought the women usually did that. But I guess in your case, it ain't such a bad idea to switch things around. I was hoping I'd run into you, Temple. Two of my cows have been killed this week. You mean your wife's cows, don't you, Will? It wasn't two, it was three. The boys found another one grazing on my side of the creek this morning. You're going to have to do something about that fence of yours. You won't have no stock left at all. That fence was all right yesterday. Maybe. But this is today. Now, you listen to me, Temple. I... I figure it's about time you done the listening, Will. I want your wife's ranch. Ain't made no bones about it. She was willing to sell until you came along. She ain't willing now. I'll give you two dollars an acre. That's more than a fair price. Anybody will tell you that. We're not going to be shoved off that land, not for two dollars an acre or twenty. Then maybe I'd better talk to Sarah, seeing as how it's her property. No! No. I'm warning you. You stay away from our ranch and our cattle or I'll... Or, or I'll... Well, go on. Tell me what you'll do, Will. I'd be real interested to find out. Come on, Bill. If it was Sarah giving him the warning, I might take it seriously, seeing as how she wears the pants in her family. The wagon moved in closer where I was sitting. I got a good look at him now. He'd changed a lot since last time we met up. He was older. There were a couple of those squint wrinkles between his eyes. Even so, he still could have been more than 23 or 4, seeing as how he was only about 20 when we worked on the West Star Roundup together. Hey, Will! Will! Hey, Will! I thought he'd recognize me, but I... Well, I guess I'd changed some, too. I wasn't getting aged or nothing like that, but I'd, uh, I'd ripened up a bit, I guess. Anyway, Will kind of glanced my way and then drove on. And from the way he was holding those reins, I had a pretty good idea of what he was thinking. This temple fella, he pushed him too far. And if I knew Will, he was getting ready to do something about it. Well, there was no point in trying to run him down now. We'd probably meet up later. So I 
Went into the hotel and looked around for a place to sit down. The clerk behind the desk was playing a game of solitaire. Oh, howdy, Mr. Ponset. Something I can do for you? No, 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 I think so. Room all right? Yeah, it's fine. Room's fine. Uh, real pleasure having you stand with us. Anything you'd like. Well, you the, the Black Queen. Huh? The plays on the King of Diamonds. Oh. Oh, thank you. Like to look at the Denver paper? It just came in on stage. No, no, thanks. Just the same. I, I was sort of figuring on a little snooze. A little too, a little too much racket outside. <laughs> I know what you mean. Noah Temple's got a voice that carries all right. I could hear him and Will arguing clear in here. Yeah. Don't amount to nothing, though, Mr. Ponsett. They've been squaring off like that ever since Will moved to town, married Sarah Blake. Oh? Oh, looks like I'm stuck. Good thing I'm not playing at the gambling hall. I'd be out 50 bucks. You see, Noah's got the idea of buying Sarah's ranch, and there ain't going to be no stopping him until he buys it. Will he need her land for any reason? Sure thinks he does. Now, if I can just get me the ace of spades. Forty years ago, Noah's grandfather started this town. He owned all the acres between the foothills and the creek outside. Old Temple said it was named for him, as a matter of fact. Is that so? But the old man's son, Fred, well, he wasn't much good. First thing you know, he'd sold off nearly everything his dad had left him. When Noah took over, he swore he'd get all the Temple property back again. Guess it sort of stuck in his craw that the Temples wasn't the biggest outfit in the valley no more. Dug on that black seven. How's Noah Temple been doing? Well, first folks didn't take him serious. They thought he was just a talker like his father, but he sure fooled them. Yeah, today he's got more acres than his granddaddy ever had. There's only one piece of the original Temple setup he ain't been able to buy back. That land of Sarah. Oh? Sure was a surprise when Will wouldn't let her sell it. Nobody ever figured he'd stand up to Noah. A man like him. Was there something wrong with him? Seven, eight, nine. What's that? Oh, well, you see, Mr. Ponte, Will's a coward. And this he is, he's yellow clear through. He won't ever wear a gun. If there's a posse being formed, he don't go along. And if there's a fight, he lays low. You can call him names, you can insult him. The way Noah Temple did, he just takes it. Gee, that sure don't sound like him to me. You know Will, Mr. Ponson? Used to. Used to. A couple of years ago, we worked around up together. Oh, that must have been before he moved to Temple City. Yeah, yeah. It was down in Texas. Back there, Willie Techman wasn't afraid of nobody or nothing. And for a youngster, he's mighty fancy with a gun. Techman? That's right, yeah. Oh, but that ain't his name, Mr. Ponson. Will's name is Fetter. Oh? Yeah, Will Fetter. I no wonder you were surprised about him being yellow. You... You got the wrong man. Uh-huh. Well, they must look alike. This friend of yours and Will Fetter. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I do, yeah. I went upstairs to my room, started to pull my boots off. You know, it's funny, I... I hadn't been doing anything but sit all day, and my feet hurt worse than I'd have been walking 20 miles. Oh. There. I looked out the window. That sun is just about even with the church steeple. I saw it be around 3 o'clock. Oh. I had a couple hours before supper, so I... I let myself down in a bed. 
Hmm? Yeah? Yeah. Well, come on in. Come on in. Mr. Ponsett? Oh, oh, well, excuse me, ma'am. I, I didn't know it was a lady. I... I'm, I'm sorry to bother you, Mr. Ponsett. Oh, not at all, not at all. I wasn't exactly what you'd call busy. <laughs> Won't you sit down? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, wait, I'll get those boots out of your way. Mr. Ponsett, I'm Will's wife. Oh, oh, I'm pleased to meet you, ma'am. Will, Will told me you were in town today. He saw you. And you saw him, didn't you? Yes, ma'am. At least I thought I did. Well, you can't tell anyone he's here, Mr. Ponson. Oh? You didn't come to Temple City looking for Will, did you? Will thought maybe that was the reason. We heard about what happened in Prescott last winter when you came across Bar Cleaver. Yeah, well, you heard wrong, ma'am. I didn't come across Cleaver. He came across me. And as for Will, he... He's made a new life here. A good life. If he has to go back to prison... Prison? Oh. Well, you knew about the bank robbery in Austin and about him breaking out before... You knew, didn't you? No, ma'am. No, I haven't been back that way since... Then you... You you wouldn't have told the marshal? But we thought... We were sure. What have I done? Oh, oh, just take it easy, ma'am. If I hadn't come to see you, nobody would have known he was Will Techman. Well, you know, things have a way of coming out sooner or later. How much longer was Will supposed to serve? Two years. Uh-huh. Well, that's not so long when you're young. Uh, we're going to have a baby, Mr. Ponson. But I almost wouldn't want to have him if he was going to grow up knowing his father had been in prison. Why should Will have to go back? Why? Well, I guess maybe you'd better ask the judge who sentenced him, ma'am. What I mean is they, they say it's so a man will live a decent, respectable life when he comes out. And Will's already living a decent, respectable life. He works hard. He, he never makes trouble for anybody. He doesn't even wear a gun, and he promised me he never will. Was that your idea, not wearing a gun? Before we were married, he told me about the trouble in Austin and how it broke out of prison. I suppose I, I should have made him go back. But I was so much in love, I couldn't. So I asked him to give me his word he'd never use a gun again. Never even carry one. Well, it must have been kind of hard on a fellow like Will to keep holding himself back that way. Hasn't been easy. I've heard what men like Noah Temple call him. But Will takes it. He's kept his word. This uh, fellow Temple, you know, the way he and Will were going at it today, it sounded like they were heading for trouble. Won't be anything serious. Will just doesn't want us to be pushed off of the ranch. You can't hold that against him. No, 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 there's not. Then you... You won't tell the marshal over in Atterbury? Or anybody? Well, I don't imagine Marshal Sanders like me mixing into his business. This is his district. I guess he can take care of it. Anyway, he has so far. But now, look here, I... Thank you, Mr. Ponson. Well, thank well, now, you. Now, uh... And thanks for Will, too. Well, no, well wait, wait, just, uh, wait, uh... Most of what she said was true. Sending Will back to prison might do more harm than good, but... And it wasn't up to me to sit judgment on him. I was going to be leaving town up there, so anyway, and if anything happened after that, it wouldn't be my concern, so... Of course, 
A man does have certain duties even if he's not wearing a badge. A man who spots a wanted criminal, he's supposed to report it. And I always had before. I scraped some of the mud off my boots and washed my face, put on a clean shirt, and went downstairs in the lobby. The clerk was still playing solitaire. Just beat myself again, Mr. Ponsett. I was playing in the gambling hall. I'd be ahead of about $140. Pretty good for one afternoon, eh? Yeah, yeah, real good. About time for supper? Yeah, go right on in. Molly will fix you up. Got baked ham tonight. Fine, fine. Oh, say, uh, Mr. Ponsett? Yeah? Remember us talking about Will Fetter and him being afraid to carry a gun? Uh-huh. <laughs> well, the darndest thing just happened. Oh, it wasn't any more than 15 minutes ago, I guess. Everybody's talking about it. He went into Bradley's Mercantile and he bought himself a carbine. Oh? Uh-huh. Of course, he's just trying to bluff Noah Temple. Folks are giving 10 to 1. Will don't even know how to load a rifle. <laughs> Where you going, Mr. Bradley? Dining room's over there. Uh, I guess maybe I'm not hungry yet. Say, uh... Whereabouts is Will's ranch? I think maybe I'll take a little ride. Maybe work up an appetite. We'll return to James Stewart as the six-shooter in a moment. First, a word from Coleman, America's leader in modern automatic home heating equipment. When winter comes, does your house shrink like this? Well, I guess it's time to close off that back room. There's just no way to heat it. Don't deprive yourself of valuable living space. Get a Coleman automatic heater and enjoy new warmth in the hardest-to-heat room. Get your Coleman oil or gas heater now during Coleman's big bonus sale. You'll get three bonuses. A new low price. Yes, now you can get a dependable Coleman oil or gas heater at a new low price. A new low operating cost. Coleman saves you up to 25% on heating bills. Because Coleman gives you maximum heat from your fuel. And a 32-piece set of Libby Safe Edge glassware worth $14. It's free with your new Coleman heater. Get three big bonuses during Coleman's big bonus sale. The sale is for a limited time only, so see your Coleman dealer tomorrow. Look for his name in your telephone directory. Remember, comfort costs so little with a Coleman. Now, Act Two of The Six Shooter, starring James Stewart as Britt Ponson. was about two miles south of town, and from the outside looked neat and comfortable, well kept up. The ground stretching out behind it was good grazing land, though it was worth at least five dollars an acre, maybe more. I tied Scar to a cottonwood in the yard and walked up to the door. About time you got home, Will. That was it. Oh, Mr. Ponset. Evening, ma'am. Come on in. Uh, Will's not here? No, he was gone when I came back. He must be out tending the stock. Uh-huh. What's wrong, Mr. Ponset? You haven't changed your mind, have you? Where's the uh, Temple Ranch live from here? 
all around us. All four sides of our land. On Temple's ranch house. Where's that? East. Dewey. Well, what's that got to do with it? What's happened? Will was in town this evening. He bought a rifle. I don't believe it. He promised me. You're wrong, Mr. Ponsett. Will isn't gunning for Noah Temple. He's out tending stock. Well, he'll be home any minute. You'll see. Maybe. Where are you going? Here, Temple's got quite an outfit. Worth paying on a visit. You won't find Will there. He gave me his word he'd never use a gun again. You won't find him! I headed due east for about a quarter of a mile, and uh, when I came to the edge of Will's property, I saw a sorrel tethered to a fence post. Looked like Will had decided to go the rest of the way on foot, so I climbed out of the saddle and looked around. There was a big break in the fence, but the cattle hadn't made it. That barbed wire had been cut. And there were four heifers and a couple of steers lying just over the temple boundary. Well, there just wasn't much question about it. They'd been shot. So I crawled through the opening and... Went right past a big sign that said, Temple Ranch, trespassers will be shot. I found some footprints. I figured they were Wells. About 30 minutes later, I caught sight of the ranch house. It was built about halfway up the side of a pretty steep hill, big sprawling building. There was a light inside, and I could just barely make out Noah sitting at a desk working on some papers. But where was Will? He had plenty of time to get here. And I heard a step and swung around. There was one of Temple's hands pacing up and down near the stable alongside the house. The way he was holding the rifle, it looked like an army sentry instead of a cow hand. All of a sudden, he gave a little gasp. I saw a shadow tighten around his throat. The sentry went down, and there was a struggle. Not very noisy, though. Not noisy enough for Temple to hear it. And then everything was quiet. The shadow stood up. It was Will Techman. He was inching his way toward the house, toward the window where Temple was sitting. I came up behind him. I pulled out my gun. He was starting to aim his rifle. Well... Drop it, Will. Yeah. I might have known you'd turn up. Give me your rifle, Will. Could get off a shot. At me, but not at Temple. Temple gets our ranch and I go to prison, is that it? Well, we'll talk all about that as soon as we get back to your place. Now, come on. I carried Will's rifle and led the way. About 20 minutes later, we passed another one of Temple's guards. He was dozing, didn't notice it. Still had a couple of miles to go before we'd reached the fence where we'd left the horses. Will was sort of panting for breath. All right, let's rest a minute. Okay. I thought you promised your wife you'd never take up a gum again, Will. Mr. Ponsett, I... You see them dead heifers over by the fence? Yeah. That about wipes I heard of. I found them. I, 
Pat, do something. As long as you knew who I was anyway, as long as I was going back to prison, I had to fix it so Sarah wouldn't have the ranch taken away from her. Ah, you, you wouldn't think a piece of land would be worth everybody getting so excited about. I've been shoved around, Britt. Ever since I was a kid, I've been shoved around. Even when I held up the Austin Bank, I wasn't the one who... The one who what? Nothing. Nothing. Since I married Sarah... Well, I've had to take a lot that other men wouldn't put up with because of her and because of her knowing what I was. This thing with Temple got under my skin. I made up my mind to stand up to him. A man's got to take a stand sometime, somewhere. I'm sorry, Will, but... Hey, what's that? Get down, Will! Yep. We've got your debt to rights, better. Trespassing. I ain't alone, Temple. Rick Ponsett's with me. Ponsett? That's right, Temple. I might have known better wouldn't come along. Well, I guess four of us can take care of two of you. He won't be much use to you, Ponsett. Not in a fight. Okay, boys, move in. I could see one of his boys firing from behind a tree behind him. So I aimed at his arm. And the bullet hit him on the shoulder and he lurched forward. I'd met only three of them now, but they were close. Will still didn't say anything. He was waiting for me to make the next move. I tossed him the rifle. Thanks, Brett. He got to his knees and started across a little clearing. He was still all right when he died behind a boulder. I knew where he was heading, too. Noah Temple had been shooting from behind a clump of pines about 50 yards back. For a couple of minutes, I didn't get a chance to watch him. Temple's two guards were on either side of me now. Well, one of them was more than eight, ten feet away. And I saw the barrel of his car being rise up from behind the bush. And only one guard left. About that time, it seemed like he'd had enough. Anyway, I moved across the clearing toward the pine trees where Will had disappeared. Pulled up behind a rock. Well, there was Noah Temple. Crouched down low, his gun ready. A little bit of movement in the brush caught my eye. It was Will. He was right behind Temple. Temple didn't know it. He was looking my way. Will had a perfect shot. I saw Will's finger curl around the trigger. But Will didn't fire. I couldn't figure out what got into him. He didn't fire. And then he threw his rifle to one side and let out a yell. Temple! Temple turned and got off a shot. Well, he was surprised he couldn't do much aiming. And then Will was on top of him, twisting the gun out of his hands. And after that, I saw a fight the like of which I'd never seen before in my life. There, Will hit Temple across the face and he went over backwards. And then Temple kicked and his foot lifted Will right off the ground. But before Temple could pick himself up, Will, Will was right on top of him again. And Temple tried to reach for his gun and Will brought his boot right down on Temple's hand. Temple quit reaching. And then Will backed away and let Temple up again. And as soon as Temple was steady again, Will drove his fist right into Temple's stomach. And Temple's hand flew apart and he was wide open. Will hit him again and hit him, hit him again and again. And finally, finally, Temple managed to, to send his fist into Will's face. And Will looked like maybe he was going to go down, but he still had a fight left to, to land a right that snapped Temple's head right back. 
and it was Temple that toppled over, and then I knew he wasn't going to get up again, not for quite a while. Feel better, Will? Yeah. Yeah, that's better. You had your chance to kill him. You had a perfect shot. You didn't have to fight him this way. It's the only way I could fight him, Brett. Huh? I had him in my sights. Something kept me from pulling the trigger. Maybe you'll think I'm crazy, but I kept remembering what I'd promised Sarah. I wouldn't use a gun again. I couldn't pull that trigger, Brett. I just couldn't. Uh-huh. Well, let's... Let's see if we can't get Temple here to a doctor. You know, it looks like he needs one. We left Noah with the dock in Temple City, and I started off for Atterbury. I've, uh, I've made up my mind to tell the marshal about Will, all about him. Sarah and Will, they agreed. They, they, they think I should, too. But then again, the way I see it right now, the state of Texas is looking for a gun-toting bank robber named Will Techman, and I... I just don't think Marshal Sanders would be very much interested in the law-abiding rancher who's called Will Fetter. I'd like to take a minute here to remind you about some of the great entertainment that's in store for you on NBC Radio. Now, for most of us, Monday evening is a time to relax, sit back, and take it easy. NBC had exactly that in mind when they designed their Monday night of entertainment. You'll want to listen to the delightful music of the Railroad Hour as they resume their fall schedule of popular operettas that have entertained for so many years. Gordon McRae will be your host and star... And during weeks to come, you'll have many charming guest stars to add to your listening pleasure with their famous voices. And you'll want to relax to the melodies of the Firestone Orchestra and Chorus under the direction of Howard Barlow on The Voice of Firestone. Another great Monday night favorite is the Telephone Hour, with its wonderful program of music directed by Donald Voorhees. Yes, every Monday night, hear these three fine musical programs on NBC Radio. Coleman, America's leader in modern automatic home heating equipment, and the National Broadcasting Company have presented James Stewart as the six-shooter. Mr. Stewart may currently be seen in the Universal International picture Thunder Bay. Others in the cast were Michael Ann Barrett, Herb Ellis, Howard McNear, and Will Wright. The six-shooter is an NBC Radio Network production in association with Review Productions, and it is based on a character created by Frank Burt. And today's transcribed story was written by him. Special music was by Basil Aslam, and the entire production is under the direction of Jack Johnstone. 
All characters and incidents were fictitious, and any resemblance to actual characters or incidents is purely coincidental. Hal Gibney speaking. Stay tuned for The Red Skelton Show next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Red Skelton and a show entitled Things We Never Knew About Buses. Hollywood, the Raleigh Cigarette Program, starring Red Skelton with David Forrester and his orchestra, our singing star Anita Ellis, Gigi Pearson, Verna Felton, Pat McGee, and Wonderful Smith, and yours truly, Rod O'Connor. It's moisturized, the new, all new, Rolly 903 cigarette. Listen. That jet of fresh, pure moisture stands for the new, different, moisturized Rolly 903. New blend, new taste, new freshness. It's the new, all new, moisturized Rolly 903. It's a pleasure to bring you Metro Golden Mayor's popular comedian and the star of the Raleigh Cigarette Program, Red Skelton. <laughs> Thank you very much and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Well, did you have a nice Easter red? Uh, uh, right? Yes, Rod, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Rod. <laughs> Were you in the Easter parade, Red? Was I? No. <laughs> Well, it was colorful. They walked down Wilshire Boulevard dressed to kill. Yeah, and the California drivers did their best to help them out, too. <laughs> Say, have you been over to Clyde Beatty's Circus yet? Well, I'm a little too old for that, but I am taking my son, Ricky. Yeah, you mm-hmm. and that Ricky. <laughs> oh, boy. What a gag with this guy. This is the truth. This is the truth. Everything, anytime he wants anything, it's for his son, Ricky. Like he wanted an electric train. He said, I'm going to get that for Ricky, you know. <laughs> going to the circus, now you're going to take Ricky. I bet you can't wait till he's old enough to go to a burlesque show, can you? <laughs> you know, I love circuses. I used to be with them. You did? Yep. I love circuses. Mm-hmm. Well, I sure enjoy those girls doing a ballet on horseback. I suppose you've done that, too, huh? Yeah, every time I go riding, I never use a saddle, though. It's right there underneath me, but I never use it. <laughs> Well, that's funny. I heard you rode like you were part of the horse. I do. The part he's trying to get rid of. <laughs> well, you know, circuses are really wonderful, aren't they? Huh? I say circuses are really wonderful, aren't well, they? Well, if I say no, you're really messed up, thank you. <laughs> yeah, Beatty gave me a pass, you know. Well, that was nice of him. Yeah. Uh, what's nice about it? I had to carry water all afternoon. <laughs> Well, speaking of clowns, Red, weren't you the youngest clown with the Hagenbeck Wallace Circus when you were just a youngster? That's right, Rod. I was only 13 years old. I was, that was just five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, I spoke with Poodles Hannaford the other day, and he said that you had absolutely the funniest clown makeup of anyone he'd ever seen. That's right, I did. Well, what'd you put on your face? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but I sure love circuses, Rod. Did you make much money with the circus, Rod? No, all I was paid off with was experience and teaching. Well, what did you learn? It's better to get paid off in money. (laughs) 
But you know, Rod, seriously, the circus is still the most glamorous branch of show business. It's a fairyland for the young. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. And childhood memories are brought back just for that day. And after this city of wonders have left your village, you look at the vacant lots where yesterday the big top and the red wagons were. And you promise yourself that you're going to stay young. So that next year you'll be able to drink the pink lemonade and eat popcorn and be awed by the magic beauty of the circus. And you say to yourself, I'm going to work hard like kids do. And I'm going to play like kids do. I'm going to accept the good in my fellow man like kids do. Because if I become prejudiced and greedy, I'll become old. And then I'll feel conspicuous when the circus comes to town. So that's good, Red. Yeah, great clown said that, Rod. Who? My dad. Anita Ellis sings hard tacks. A heartaches, heartaches. Heartaches, heartaches. My loving you. Such a sacred thing to me I can't believe it's just a burning memory Heartaches, heartaches What does it matter how my heart breaks be happy with someone new, but my heart aches for you. Heart aches, heart aches. What does it matter? Scrapbook of satire. You feel better? <laughs> Page one. <laughs> Things we never knew about buses. Well, here I am. 
<laughs> Are the bus drivers held responsible for their buses? Well, no. The only thing we're expected to do is that in the summertime, be sure that the windows are glued so they can't be opened. <laughs> and in the window, winter, be sure that they're nailed so they can't be closed. And then once a week, we are required to go down to the city dump, and we get some old fish and rubber boots and old leather and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. What for? Uh, we burn it. And then that smoke is mixed with the fumes from the exhaust pipe, and it's turned on when the bus is crowded. Well, uh, Mr. Hopper, thank you very much. This has been a very educational interview. It has? Yes, it has. Well, I wish you'd have told me sooner I'd have paid attention. <laughs> Page two, the reason why men should work in department stores. Go on, blow your top. Go ahead. See, I got to get a present from my girl, and there's nobody in here but women clerks. Good afternoon. Could I wait on you? No, thanks. I'll wait for one of the men clerks. Oh, it's all right. What do you wish to see, some lingerie? Oh, what you said. I only said lingerie. Oh, you said it again. <laughs> oh, my, you are brazen, aren't you? <laughs> oh, now, don't be like that. Oh, Take your head out of that waste paper basket and tell me what you want. Oh, okay. Oh, would you like to see something in a bathing suit? <laughs> a friend of yours? <laughs> oh, what are your girl's measurements? Well, uh... Oh, we'll go down this list. Oh. Uh, neck? If she's had a couple of beers, yeah. <laughs> How tall is she? Uh, she's about my height when she's kneeling down. <laughs> See, I wish you had men clerks here, guys. <laughs> well, I've never seen anyone so bashed. Oh, you ought to see my brother. He thinks girls are foreigners. <laughs> <laughs> my brother was more bashful than me. In fact, he won a prize once for being the most bashful man in college, you know. Oh, what was the prize? Well, we don't know. He was too bashful to go up and get it. <laughs> bet you never even whistled at a girl. Yes, I did. I did indeed during the war. Oh, were you in uniform? I was a third lieutenant. What? (laughs) They didn't have third lieutenants. They did when they saw me. Well, uh, did this girl stop when you whistled at her? Stop? She dropped dead, huh? (laughs) Look, I guess I'll have to get uh, something for my girl, won't I? Well, um, how about something like this? Oh, no, 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 no. Put it down, put it down, put it down. Well, (laughs) would you like something like this? Oh, no. Oh, good heavens, I should have never left Boston. acting so silly. Uh-oh. Come on, get up off the floor and don't put your head under the rug. It isn't healthy. Well, look, don't you have any men clerks in this store? Only in the hardware department. Well, that's where I'm going. I hope she'll like a buzz song. <laughs> David Forrester and his Raleigh Cigarette Orchestra play... We could make such beautiful music.
Everybody's got a weak ticker, now's your chance to check out of here, you know. <laughs> you see, now, what can I do today? I'm here all alone. I know, I go, I'm going to call somebody on the telephone. Do, 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 do. Hello? 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 Number, please. Uh, operator, could you put down your sign long enough to get me to fire department? <laughs> Fire department. Hello, fire department. That's What's cooking? That's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> What's cooking? You wasn't there for a minute. <laughs> this is Junior. I thought I'd tell you that I got a new chemistry set, and you better keep tomorrow night open. Junior, where are you? I didn't hear. You back home already, Emma? Yes. Have you been good? Yes, I has been good. Boy, about an hour ago, I was going to bite that little Dick Thorpe across the street, you know. Little Richard Thorpe over there. And I used my willpower, and I didn't do it. Why, that's wonderful, yeah. Junior. If he ever puts down that baseball bat, I'm going to bite his head off. <laughs> oh, what are you doing with that box of matches and pile of paper in the middle of the floor? Boy, you don't have no imagination at all, does you? Well, just for that, you don't get the bean shooter I brought home. You bought me a bean shooter? Yes. A real bean shooter? Yes. The atomic uranium module? Yes. That you send beans without reloading? Yes. You wouldn't have had one if you gave it to me. <laughs> now, them, the, you, the tricks you pull on us kids, you know. You go out and you buy us something, then, you know, like a bean shooter. And then if we, we break something, you get us a whipping. Oh, no, kiddo, I wise to you. Now, I had one of these when I was a little girl, yeah? and I never broke anything with it. A bad shot, huh? I'll show you what kind of a shot I am. Yeah. You see that pack of Raleigh's on the table? Yeah. Well, watch this, my boy. <laughs> you let all the moisture out of it. <laughs> Wouldn't it feel the vapor in the place now? <laughs> Goodness. 
Hey, look, hey, you look, though. I bet you can't hit nothing without looking. Close your eyes and do it the hard way, boy. Let's see you do that. All right, I'll do yeah. it with my eyes closed. Yeah. Uh, give it the old Frank Bozzegi shot there. No. <laughs> Am I aiming right, Junior? No, a little more to the left. A little oh, more to the well, left. how's this? Let me see now. Yes. Whoop, bad order, do it. <laughs> I waited a long time for an opportunity like this. <laughs> okay, yeah. let her go. Here goes. Look at the goldfish dancing on the piano key. <laughs> Boy, that, yeah, was, yeah. that was a good oh, one. Well, I'd better clean this mess up. Yeah. Oh, I have a million things to do. Go see what time it is by the clock. Okay, I'm going to go see what time it is. I'm going to see what time it is. I'm going to see what time it is. I'm your grandfather clock. Well, Junior? Well, the widow hand is on four, and the big hand is on the widow hand. Well, that ought to be easy. What time do you think it is? Time I stop putting glue on the widow hand. <laughs> Just for that, hmm? you can pay for the repairs on the clock out of your allowance each week. Huh? It's going to cost you two dollars. Well, that sounds reasonable. What does it mean? It means forty nickels. Forty? Let's not get hysterical, kid. <laughs> Goodness, I ain't had a cent on me since I lost me pet skunk. <laughs> <laughs> Raise your allowance to six cents a week. Well, thanks, sporty. <laughs> well, you're going to pay every penny just the same. Yeah, well, you just go ahead and choose me. I don't care. You can choose me, and I will run away, you know. I was going to run away last week. I did. I ran away, and you didn't know nothing about it. You ran away? I got a lot of your cookies and everything. I put in a little handkerchief, and I said, I'm going to run away. And I started out, and I went... I started out, too. <laughs> Feel kind of stupid when you talk and it's not there, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, anyhow, I said I'm going to run away. So I put my little package under my arm and I went around the block eight times. Eight times I went around the block. Finally, the policeman on the corner, he looked at me and he said, What you doing? And I said, I was running away from home. And he says to me, Why does you keep going around the block? And I said, I'm not allowed to cross the street. <laughs> Oh, boy, what a surprise. I didn't hear them. Uh, my booby trap in the front yard go off. I wonder how... Well, now, who do you suppose that is? Well, I know it ain't Grandpa. He's still got three days to serve, you know. <laughs> I'll go see who it is. I'll go see. Welcome to Nightmare Alley. Well, hello. I'm the junk man. Well, I'm the widow guy to keep you in business. <laughs> so have you got any old newspapers or magazines or rugs or old irons or maybe old bottles? Well, I'll see. <laughs> there you are. Hmm. Now, what have you got in your other pocket? <laughs> well, I got all kinds of... Oh, my, the junk man. Oh. Uh, Junior, go outside and play. No, I want to stay and see what you get rid of. I said outside. No, you let me stay or I'm going to hit myself in the head with this book here. Junior! Junior! Hitting your head with that book, you'll lose my place. Yeah. <laughs> here, use this encyclopedia. Yeah. Now get outside. No, now you let me stay here. Or I'm going to tell you. You tell what? I'll tell everybody that you used to be a wild woman with a circus. Why, I was no such thing. Oh no. No. 
Hey, Werner, the crowd's gathering. Okay, lock the cage and throw me a bowl. See? You hit me, you hit me. You give me a cauliflower ear. You've not got a cauliflower ear. Yeah, well, don't tell me that's lettuce. <laughs> Junior, stop being silly. No. Uh, do you have any junk, lady? Yes, I'm cleaning up the attic. You're not going to take him up in the attic where you got Grandpa chained, is you? Your grandfather is not chained in the attic. Oh, that's right. I keep forgetting he's in the basement or for good behavior. This <laughs> The last time you go outside. Oh, 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 you hit me. Now that's the second time you hit me. You just like to beat me. Oh, y'all. come. I'll show you, you what I have to time. sell. You hurt me with a feeling. Uh, yes, ma'am. You hurt me feeling. You hurt me feeling, Gamor. Gamor, you hurt my feeling. <laughs> well, I guess I'm losing my old technique on her life. Oh, the phone. Oh, I can't. I'll get it. I'll get Ain't it. Ain't it wonderful? Radio is really wonderful. Strike or no strike, we got telephones, you know. <laughs> Now's my chance to hook that man up in the, in the attic. I'm going up there. Hey, hello there, mister. Yes. Hey, uh, do, do you buy violins? Why, yes. Uh, what sort of condition is it in? It's brand new. I'm going to get it Friday. <laughs> Say, look at that old trunk. I wonder what's in it. Well, my Nemo says it's the boogeyman's in there. But you know the boogeyman ain't in there, don't you? Yes, because he saw me one day and ran away. <laughs> open it up. Open it up. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Look at that. Say, ain't that something? Yes, I sure sir. would like to have that. Oh, no, no, you don't. My, my grandma says she wouldn't sell that for a million dollars. I'll give you a nickel for it. Well, every man has his own price, so... Yeah. Boy, am I lucky. You can't get stuff like this every day. No. So long. Hurry up, don't let me know. Oh, I got a nickel. I got a nickel. Whoa, look at What happened to the junk man, Junior? He gave me a nickel and went away. Well, what did you sell him? Hmm? What did you sell him? Oh, I just showed him an old worn-out hundred-pound bag of sugar was all. What? Oh! Nemo, get up off the floor. What's the matter, Nemo? It was only sugar. Goodness, you think I sold him a stick of bubble gum or something? We hope you liked our program well enough to be with us again next Tuesday night. So until next Tuesday, then, this is Fred Skelton saying goodbye now. Thanks for listening and thanks for buying Raleigh. Fred Skelton is brought to you by the makers of Raleigh Cigarettes. This is NBC, the National Broadcasting Company. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you'll be with me next week as I uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.